I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but that just wouldn't be our style. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. SportsTownChicago.com. Lombard, part of the Beyond Air Network and available on the TuneIn app. Hell yeah. Broadcast, Broadcast home for your Windy City Bulls and the Chicago Dogs. We're in a league of our own. Now, here's your SportsTownChicago.com scoreboard update. At 3 o'clock, I'm AJ Freeze, your Sportstown Chicago update, powered by Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to beyondair.com. The Braves come through in Game 6 to be crowned World Series champions. Ex-Cub Jorge Soler opened up the game early with a big three-run homer. That was his third home run of the series, and was good enough for the Soler to take home the World Series MVP. Dansby Swanson and Freeman also joined the party hitting home runs. Free throw six shutout as the Braves as a whole shut out the Astros 7-0. Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros will be signing an extension within the coming days. The Bears have now lost three in a row after losing to the 49ers. Growing pains of Justin Fields has been showing, but he also showed some signs of some good athleticism as he scrambled for a touchdown. The Bears' next game is on primetime game on Monday versus Big Ben and the Steelers. Uh, other NFL news, Hunt Henry Ruggs at 3.40 a.m. two nights ago was arrested for murder because of a DUI. Today's news says that he was twice the legal limit and smashed into a car and killed someone at the speed of 156 miles per hour. He has since been released from the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bulls are on the top of the East after starting the season 6-1. The Bulls have a big game tonight on the road versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Bulls look to take advantage of the 76ers as Tobias Harris, Danny Green, and Ben Simmons will not be playing tonight. The Blackhawks are 1-7 coming off their first win and are looking to win their second game tonight at 7.30 at the United Center versus the undefeated Carolina Hurricanes. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. So, welcome to the go-ahead. I am your host, AJ Freeze, and and first we'll be getting into the World Series, and I have my new co-host here. Uh, be with everybody today. Sorry, repeat your name again. I I, I missed it here. Uh, Will Shoemaker. And I, thank you for joining us here. And this is our brand new show called The Go Ahead, where we are co-hosting together. This is uh, not just my show. This is uh, together. And uh, first, I'd like to get into the Astro, uh, the Astros losing the World Series. The Braves have now won the World Series. Uh, Will, what are your thoughts so far? Uh, last night, we got to watch an amazing Game 6 out of uh, Max Fried and the Atlanta Braves. We saw him throw six innings. He uh, only gave up four base hits. He didn't walk anybody. He really showed great control. Jorge Soler came through. He was one of my dark horses for a World Series MVP, and he had that clobbered home run that was 110 off of the bat. They really came out and they showed out. Yeah, speaking of that, let's take a listen in on that. And just like that, after Jorge Soler took him deep, it seemed pretty on on stone from there. Um, uh, only a couple more shots were added of Freddie Freeman and uh, Dansby Swanson also went deep, but that was pretty much it. The the 
Astros had no answer in that game. They walked away and just looked empty-handed. Yeah, AJ, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Luis Garcia and Christian Javier, the two guys who really got rocked uh, in regards to the Astros pitching staff, they hadn't performed well throughout the series and playoffs. They'd had some blowout starts, so it's not necessarily a surprise to me that Atlanta got off heart, got off hot and did not stop. Um, do you think that Dusty could have changed anything, at least in Game 6? I know we're, we're going to talk over a, a lot about the whole series, but is there something in that Game 6 that Dusty should have done differently? Do you think there's anything the Astros could have done to change their fate there? Quite honestly, it's 2021 in baseball. You can't really work base running, and we're in the American League. Bunting isn't really heavily used. Shifting, obviously, is a great tool, and both teams uh, used that to whatever degree they found necessary. I personally think Dusty did a great job. He does have a reputation, though, for getting to the World Series, getting to that last step, and then just falling short. So I'm going to be interested to see what the new-look Astros are going to be able to do with him next season. Uh, one thing about Dusty now is is that he is the most winning manager without a World Series, and that's pretty crazy to actually think about. Um, but we are going to at least recap ourselves through most of the World Series and go back through the other games. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to get back to the Game 1. Uh, yeah, I've got some opinions for Game 1. This just really set the tone for the entire series. The Braves overcame adversary. Adversity dominating game one, six to two. Morton had that fractured fibula, pitched 16 pitches after that, and getting some key strikeouts, including uh, Jose Altuve. Outside of that, we saw uh, Jorge Soler come out with a historic leadoff home run just to really put, just really getting him started on what was an amazing series. Outside of that, the uh, Atlanta Pen did what you live for, according to uh, their manager. So outside of that, Game 1 was really just setting the tone for the series. Thoughts on Game 3, AJ? Uh, game 3, that is where uh, Atlanta had their first home games of the series, and that was where Ian Anderson got to make his uh, World Series debut, where he was throwing a no-hitter for quite some time. Um, he ended up going through five innings. Uh, I think he gave do you know the stat line there? You got it there? Uh, five shutout innings on 76 pitches with a 50-50 uh, strike-to-ball ratio. He did have three walks, though. So, I mean, it it's a little interesting because he wasn't totally dominating, but at the same time, he was still looking very, very good. Um, what do you think you would have done if you were Brian Snicker in that situation? Would you let him go a couple more innings? Would you have pulled him? If I'm in Snickers' shoes, you had game one where uh, Atlanta really showed out with that bullpen like uh, we mentioned. So with 76 pitches and, like you said, he wasn't in trouble. He was getting himself into bad counts, had gotten a couple guys on base, but nobody got into scoring position, and he had been so far shutting out the team. I'd potentially have given him that sixth inning, see what he would do there. If he can get out of it in 10, 15 pitches and not really work into any bad counts throwing in, uh, like, hanging pitches. I feel like you could have given him one more inning. But outside of that, I think Snitker and his staff did a great job managing that shutout win. Yeah, I think um, for a big point is is that Ian Anderson was looking really good, but not just Ian Anderson. The entire bullpen for the Atlanta Braves has been looking really, really good. And um, I, I'm i going to leave the question out there, actually, for you viewers here, um, our listeners. Uh, 
at our Twitter is at the go ahead one at our Twitter. And you can tweet it out at us and let us know what your feedback is. If what would you have done? Would you have pulled Ian Anderson? Would you have let him go? Um, Anyway, so that's pretty much it for game three. It was a two nothing shutout. Atlanta went through that quickly. We went through over game one and two, or at least game one when I was here last week. But um, um, moving on now, we're going to go on to game four here, which was a slim three to two Atlanta lead, which was pretty much all led onto the backs of by Dansby and Jorge Soler's go ahead, uh, well back to back home runs, which was huge. And actually, let's take a listen in on that real quick. Here's one. And just like that, in a blink, in a blink of an eye, back-to-back home runs made it three to two in Game Four, and Atlanta had just come out just like that, winning their both of their games at home, making the three-one series. Uh, I want to know your thoughts about that game in, in just in general. All right, so first we've got Dansby Swanson, the hometown hero, the kid from Georgia, Georgia product. With that home run was absolutely crucial, and then Snicker did an amazing job throughout this series, but in Game Four bringing in Solaire for that pinch hit home run. That's another games one, four, and six. Solaire really showed what he's made of, and I'm interested to see what he does this offseason. But in regards to that game four, both of those were crucial home runs. Is the entire Atlanta outfield, like uh, the, all the new guys, Eddie, Jorge, and Solaire, uh, well, Eddie, Solaire, and uh, Jock. Jock Peterson, yes. Are all three of them going to be free agents? This as far off-season? as I'm aware, this upcoming offseason, yes. Mm, it's going to be tough. At least they have Atlanta com- or Acuna coming back for Atlanta. Um, still staying on here. Um, two out struggles for uh, Houston really, really destruct- uh, was a huge struggle for them for those two games. They, they lost two to nothing and three to two. And those are very, very easily winnable games for that kind of an Astro lineup. And uh, we need better answers than that, especially I think at that time, uh, Bregman, Altuve, and Correa were just not getting it done. As we saw later in the series, Bregman ended up getting demoted down to the seventh spot. I absolutely agree with you in regards to that. You look at Alvarez throughout the series. throughout Through game five, he was one for 15, and in game five, he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. You look at that out of the guy who won the ALCS MVP, you can't have that happen. Yeah, um, he was a guy that was guiding you throughout the whole way. But even then, Jordan is really, really talented, and he is one of their best mainstay hitters. But even then, Altuve, Bregman, and Correa are really the main guys, and they weren't necessarily stepping up on all, all courses. On that game five that they won 9-5, to five, it was even the bottom of the order was the guys that were coming through. It wasn't even the mainstaying guys. It's not Correa didn't have a bad game because I know he had a good – three hits or something like that. It was just the guys who were getting the clutch hits were at the bottom of the order. I think Maldonado had three RBIs. Yes, sir. Uh, Maldonado uh, drove in three on one base knock, and he also had that walk to have the bases be loaded to come up with a clutch hit that uh, drove in some runs. Outside of that, like you said, uh, bottom of the order, they seven, eight, nine alone came out with six runs batted in out of the nine for that squad. So you think about that. And then two of the other three RBIs were Correa. 
So there was really outside of Correa in the bottom of the order. The heart of that lineup really did not produce in this series for the most part. And, you know, it, one thing that was also huge for uh, Houston was that their bullpen was being lights out. Even what, But they, they, they lost game three and four. Two nothing and three to two. Their bullpen was only having a one point nine ERA going past game five and going lower as the game continued on. Absolutely, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Kendall Graveman came in for the eighth and ninth of that game, and he had two shutout on ends. Outside of that, the bullpen was lights out in game five. Um, we've seen a lot of Yimmy Garcia and guys. Uh, pretty much, Christian Javier was one of the mainstay guys that um, just kind of didn't perform as well as everybody else did. Everybody else did pretty well except for Javier, and I think that's a pretty good thing to ask for. It, the hard part is that they just didn't score enough runs when they needed to. Atlanta just outhit them this series. No, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And to go off of that, you think about it in the playoffs. What's most important is your bullpen's production. And we just didn't see that. Well, we did see that out of Houston, but with uh, Christian Javier, that was not the case. And one outlier can be everything in the series. We'll be coming back here, and we're going to be continuing our conversation about the World Series in a moment. Thank you. This is your home for sports. SportstownChicago.com Joe's Hot Dogs has been around since 1953, but I promise it's not old news. You don't have to like hot dogs to like Joe's on Plainfield Road in Joliet. Italian beef, hot dogs, shakes and sides. My family's had a relationship with Joe's Hot Dogs for three generations. Golden fries with a tad bit of salt and the perfect amount of crunch come in a bag as big as your hand. And that's just a small. For more on the menu, visit joeshotdogsjoliet.com. Bringing that classic Chicago flavor to the suburbs. That's Joe's Hot Dogs across from CVS on Plainfield Road in Joliet. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and Windy City News Radio. The Illinois Center for Broadcasting is now the Illinois Media School. We've been an institution in the Chicagoland area now for 30 years. Because the broadcasting world is always changing, so are we. Not only are we teaching radio and television production, but now you can learn all aspects of the media industry, like web design. You can even specialize in TV or film, sports broadcasting, and even sales. No matter where you are in the Chicagoland area, we have a campus near you. The Illinois Media School. Be on TV, be on radio, be on air.com. That was money. Tell me that wasn't money. Yo, yo, yo. Check us out. We are the go-to guys. I'm your boy, Space. I'm your boy, MC. Check us out every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. We spitting all facts, all sports, all day. Yes, sir. Who else are you going to go to in the clutch? Lillard, long range three. And it's Keeping you up to date with all the latest sports news. We are the go-to guys. Where else are you going to get all your sports news from? You know. SportstownChicago.com. 
And we're back here now. And um, I wanted to start out and open up our conversation back to game five here, which the game five opened up with Adam Duvall hitting an early grand slam. Austin Riley started that game off with a bang, hitting the first Grand Slam in the first inning of the World Series since 1960, really setting the tone, we thought, for Game 5. That was history, and it did not turn out to um, work out for the Braves as the uh, starting pitching, and uh, I apologize, Tucker Davidson struggled in his uh, debut, and the bullpen was just out of sorts and did not look to character. Yeah, um... I, I think it was pretty interesting. Uh, Duvall hit that grand slam, and it just felt like the party was just about to get started. And I was watching it with you, and we even felt that same way. But the Astros answered back really, really quickly. And that also, I just want to mention, is one thing that the Bra- uh, the Astros did not do in Game 6, which was partially why they lost so quickly. So Lair hit that big home run, and there was no answer. In Game 5... Duvall hit that grand slam, and there was an immediate quick answer. It was 4-4 just like that. Absolutely. What I think is somewhat the cause of that, quite honestly, is just who's pitching out there for Atlanta and what like what the energy really is. Because that game five, it's not a must win. But in my opinion, I feel like the Braves thought we need game six because if we go game seven against Houston with that experience and that potent lineup in their stadium where they know how to hit – it's dangerous. So game six, game six, I I feel like just Max Fried being out there, just far better pitcher than Tucker Davidson, and he uh, limited guys getting on base a little bit better than Anderson did as well. Well, after the Morton injury, we knew that games four and five were going to be bullpen games, which it wasn't really terrible in, in, in that stretch, um, but um, bullpen just couldn't keep it together for game five. Um, and besides that, I mean... They, they played decently well. There was a lot of good hits strung together. Uh, the Braves tried to even stay in it. It was just the Astros kept answer, answering over and over again. And it was just a competitive series all in all. And that game was a big game to bring it back to Houston. And just when you thought Houston was going to bring it to Game 7, no, they did not have the answer for them. 7 nothing Atlanta, easily in Game 6. Yeah, so in that uh, Game 6, we saw Solaire continue with his absolute uh, tear like I mentioned earlier the 110 uh, miles per hour off the bat with a 446 foot home run that made its way over the train in left field outside of that we saw hometown heroics again out of Dansby Swanson with a two-run home run off of Christian Javier and then this is the Braves first World Series win since 1995 so this is really history and with baseball it's so awesome that we always get to see parody and different teams going there to the series and winning. Yeah, um, I really, I was really, really happy to see Atlanta win the World Series, or at least even make it this far. Um, as much as it pains me to say, it just was not really fun to see the Dodgers or the Astros continue to just keep playing. And one one cool thing that I saw is that uh, whoever has beaten the Dodgers in the last four years has won the World Series. And because the Dodgers didn't lose anybody last year, they won the World Series. So whoever beats LA wins the World Series. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of interesting to think that way, but like that's just kind of where it is in baseball that uh, we have to worry about the best of the best always being the best. Um, we have some other things later that we'll be talking about um, 
whether or CBA. not yeah, whether or not if um, some things in baseball will be changing, maybe the DH or maybe that uh, there will be a floor on uh, the salary cap. Anyway, those are a couple of things that we'll talk about later, but still talking about the World Series here. Yeah, I've got a quick question for you. So in July, when they made those trades for those four outfielders, did you see that as as an obviously you're a huge fan of the uh, National League East as a Nationals guy. Yeah. Uh, did you see that as being something that could have taken them over the top to beat out teams like Philadelphia and beat out teams like New York who had also made moves at the deadline? Well, I guess, honestly, I will say um, I viewed it as pretty stupid, especially when they got Jack Peterson. But I, I guess I didn't think it was that dumb. They lost Acuna and they lost Marcelo Zuna. So I was looking at it in the perspective that like, okay, well, at least here's a supplement. Here's a guy who has experience. He has a track record. He might not be doing the best, but maybe he could do something for us. But he did that. They did the same thing for Eddie and Jorge, which (laughs) all three of them have the same story, same path line. And they all three did it, did it, did it, did it. It's really a Cinderella story for that team this year. Absolutely through and through outside of that though. Um, just looking back into this game six, Freddie Freeman made his case for World Series MVP, in my opinion, with an RBI double and a solo shot again in this game. He really came through throughout the series with extra base hits and driving runners in. I'd like to know your opinion. Do you have anybody else you saw as a potential pick for Atlanta? I- um, well, the the pick was Jorge, um, but otherwise, uh, Freddie, Dansby, Eddie Rosario, any... any mm, Austin Riley needed a home run, but I mean, otherwise, I'm with you. yeah. I'm with you. Otherwise, um, could have been any of those guys. Um, Eddie was definitely at least in his name there. Just, um, but it was interesting. Um, we've seen a lot of World Series MVPs before, and uh, the shows just keep going on. And we're gonna have to get ready for another one next year. And hopefully, the White Sox are in it. Hey, absolutely, my friend. I would not complain about that. I've got an interesting stat for you in regards to Soler, another amazing thing he did this uh, postseason in World Series. Soler, Soler is now just the fourth player in Braves history to hit three home runs in a World Series. I guess ex-Cubs and Cubs just have uh, something about heroics when it comes to the postseason and uh, playoffs. We saw it with Schwarber in the uh, CS and DS this year, and we're seeing it again with Soler. Um, didn't... Did Rizzo do anything? No, I don't think he played. He did anything in the World Series or in the Wild Card. But I know uh, Bryant did also homer in his uh, run with the Giants this off or this postseason. Um, it's interesting to see all the Cubs players playing on all these different teams. It just was in a blink of an eye. In just July last year, we were watching them all play together. Absolutely. It's just really a matter of, and this is kind of getting off of uh, the topic. It's just a matter of front office changes and just absolutely wanting to just move out i suppose did you hear that uh dusty is going to be signing the extension with houston um so actually about a week or two ago um on a post-game press conference i was hearing from someone in the front office that they were interested in bringing him back and now i had just seen uh what you're talking about with them officially going to make uh be signing the deal in the next couple of days yeah what, what do you think about that what are your thoughts uh, my thoughts off the bat Um, He's a serviceable manager, and managers today need to be able to lead and not get in the way of the players just due to the fact that they have so many things in place analytically and statistically in regards to the drive for who's coming in in certain situations. There are uh, sheets with plans and printouts for major league teams, managers, pitching coaches, and things of that nature. So really, um, all in all, I think it's an okay decision based on the fact that in baseball, the manager doesn't have to do as much as they do in other sports. Mm-hmm. 
And um, in regards to his Game 6 performance and performance in the playoffs this year, for a guy of that age, it's really impressive what him and Tony were both able to do, winning their divisions, winning 90-plus games. And then for Dusty, obviously, making it to the World Series again. It's just a chip on his shoulder, I suppose, to get it next year, being the, the most winningest manager to never get a World Series, or whatever the stat was you mentioned. Yeah, I mentioned it on my last show that it's just so crazy that we can have a dramatic difference between Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa, and then you can have guys like Gabe Kaplan and Rocco Baldelli who are still in their 30s, and it's a 40-year gap. There's a 40-year gap of age between these guys, and it's just so crazy that they're put on, like, the same pedestal and the same issues, but, like, even then, some people complain saying that, like, they can't do it or they can't do it at this level, but both the old guys showed that they were just as well able to compete with the, the newer guys, even though they had stepped away from baseball for years. No, absolutely. I'm with you there. I feel like people are just trying to find reasons to dislike managers and dislike performances of certain players. Like we could go, we're going to get into this later, but you're mean Mercedes and the Chicago White Sox. People blame Tony La Russa for that. Things of that nature with just older managers, it's like they've been out of the game for a decade and they follow the hard-written rules of the game, the unwritten rules of the game. And that's something we'll obviously be able to de- debate on a further episode. But um, overall, we saw Jorge Soler hit three home runs and six runs batted in for unanimous, unanimously being voted the World Series MVP. Freddie Freeman and others also put up great performances in the series. Will Smith slammed the door. And according to uh, Dusty Baker, here's a take. They've got unfinished Baker. Uh, they have unfinished business for next year. Do you, what does that mean to you? Do you really think that they're going to be coming back to compete in the uh, American League East? I mean, uh, West? Um, yeah, well, yeah, actually, I think um, in the American League West, it's a kind of a big mess, except for Seattle. Seattle's on the come up. Unless, yes, unless the Angels can start figuring out some stuff this free agency by picking up some people. They're pretty much staying where they're at. The Rangers are still going down. They're not really going to be doing anything. Even if they sign Trevor Story, that's not going to make them win the division. No, yeah. They're not close at that. And Oakland A's are now, honestly, I would say a fireball. They hey, lost- dumpster fire, yeah. absolutely. You yeah. lost Bob Melvin. You're losing Billy Bean. You're losing, every- you're losing everything. Next is all those players. Well, now Marte is going to be gone. He's going to be hopefully, maybe, possibly on our destination watch. Southside, baby. Sorry, not our. But uh, the White Sox maybe have them on their destination marker. But um, otherwise, um, I I think it's just an interesting take um, to look at. Like, do you think Dusty really has it in him? Uh, Yeah, I I would say so. But at at the same time, I think it's going to be not difficult for the Astros to win their division, really. I can respect that. The only thing that could fault them from getting that division, in my opinion, is if guys like Correa make their way out, which is basically, that's already in. It looks looks that way that he really is going to be heading out the door. Absolutely. And if that chip falls, then outside of that, you may see the Astros just as a team kind of fall off. Not to a great extent, but potentially teams like the Angels could pick up, finally get a starting pitcher in free agency like they've said they'd do for the last half a decade. It's going to be interesting, but I do definitely still think the dog of that division is going to be Houston. Yeah, um, well, eventually we're going to have our own show where we break down the divisions and our own uh, breakdowns of what we think the standings are going to look like. But uh, for now, the 2021 season has ended for baseball, and we will be all over the 
the hot stove and our all free agents signings and trades. And actually today I'll, I'll get into it right before we go into our commercial here. Um, the Detroit Tigers traded for Tucker Barnhart and got a new switch hitting catcher. Well, actually he's not a switch hitter anymore, but a decent hitting catcher. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to discuss some of those things later in our show. Uh, thank you for listening to us. And we're going to take our commercial break here. SportsTownChicago.com Scoreboard Update And now with the sports update. In the World Series, the Atlanta Braves took down the Houston Astros last night 7-0. Max Fried threw six innings with only four hits, zero walks, earned runs, or runs allowed. Absolutely dominant. Solaire won World Series MVP with heroics. The bullpen kept runners out of scoring position and closed the door. And now on to the Chicago Bears. Three straight losses for the Bears. The Chicago Bears fell to the 49ers 33-22 this past spooky Sunday. The Bears look to bounce back in Pittsburgh next Monday at 7-15. And now on to the Chicago Bulls, a much happier note. Levine looked great through hand injury. DeRozan goes off for 37 points and a comeback win. The Bulls trailed by 19 at the end of the third quarter. DeRozan and Levine carried and were on a tear in a 39-9 run in the fourth quarter. The Bulls are currently 6-1 with the best record in the NBA. They look to defeat the injured and ailed Philadelphia 76ers tonight at 6 p.m. Central. And now on to the Blackhawks. They look to win their second game in a row as Patrick Kane comes off of a hat trick in his previous performance. Took long enough. And now we get to play the Hawks. The Hawks get to play the Carolina Hurricanes, who are undefeated at 8-0 currently. Also in sports, Aaron Rodgers will be sidelined for the next week or so due to testing positive for COVID-19. We wish Aaron a speedy recovery, but getting Green Bay back in the loss column this week is something that I can definitely live with. This is Will Shoemaker. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update, brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. Follow us on Twitter at TheGoAhead1. This is your home for sports. Red SportstownChicago.com. Take that exit and get to the Southern Cafe, home of the nasty biscuit on Roselle Road in Roselle. Get over there and try the chicken fried chicken biscuit made with the Southern Cafe's house-made drop biscuit with buttermilk chicken fried chicken smothered in country gravy topped with shredded cheddar and crumbled hickory smoked bacon. I always say that when you go to the Southern Cafe, you come out with two meals with the heaping amounts of food they serve you in every meal. I love to go to a place with outdoor seating. The Southern Cafe has a great outdoor seating area to help social distance, and I get to enjoy my breakfast outdoors. Open 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. to give you plenty of time to grab an amazing breakfast or lunch. Now get your butt over to the Southern Cafe on Roselle Road. Hello? It's speed walking day. Dorothy, you're breaking up. Did I mention we'd be slowing down when we pass the court where those fine brothers play ball? I heard that. Reduce your risk of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Get active, eat right, and maybe even run into Mr. Right. Isn't sisterhood beautiful? For more information, go to everydaychoices.org. Brought to you by the American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, the American Heart Association, the Ad Council, and this station. Alert! Alert! Be gone, maxed-out credit cards, overdue loans, suffocating interest rates, and relentless collection agencies. If your credit rating is making you and others around you cringe, there's only one thing to do, and that's to turn to the professionals at Creative Credit Solutions. Even if your credit is less than perfect, we'll help you get back on track. You can do it, and we can help. 
Call today or visit creativecreditsolutions.net for your free credit check report. Blow the whistle on sportstownchicago.com. Mondays and Fridays from 2 to 3 p.m. as we talk NFL. The game plan was really sound. In the quarterback league, it, it has been, it still is. Franchise-defining quarterbacks. College football. Will Jim Harbaugh make it through the season as Michigan's head coach? Some more Big Ten talk. And here's some things you wouldn't expect. I would have never expected that. Get all of that and more on Blow the Whistle on SportstownChicago.com. Into DeRozan. Here he goes. DeRozan for the lead. No good. And that'll do it. The Knicks survive round one between these two Eastern Conference rivals. The Bulls score the final 12 points, but just one bucket short. Here it is right here. He's going to fake the handoff. And then that hesitation. See, Vooch, Vooch coming over brought an extra defender. There's three defenders there. Vooch needed to stay out of that play. And I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost, but you brought an extra defender sliding over there, and DeMar had no nowhere to go. Welcome back to the go-ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And after you just heard that audio, that was the clip of the DeRozan last shot versus the Knicks, um, and we lost that game 103-104. to um, in that play, I just wanted to talk about it and discuss it myself, is that it was really, really strange. We made that huge, huge comeback, and DeRozan and Levine played very, very well. Um, that was, I believe, the first game after we found out about Levine's uh, thumb injury. Uh, and the Bulls shot 42% from the field and 24% from three that game. And we made that um, pretty nice comeback at the end there I, I can't remember exactly how much we were down by but we ended up only losing by one and we came down to this last play and the last play was where Levine inbounded the ball to DeRozan at the top of the key and DeRozan took a couple couple dribbles down towards the corner and was giving a, a fake pass to Levine on the inbound now I don't know whether it was a busted play or it was a mistake or Vucevic wasn't where he was supposed to be. But the final play, the final shot against the Knicks there, that our only loss has been so far for the Chicago Bulls, was that DeMar came up into the corner and to shoot a mid-range pull-up. But because Vucevic was in the corner, DeMar took his mid-range shot, ended up being triple-teamed, and he airballed it. It wasn't even close. Uh, Will, I'm not sure if you shot, if you saw the shot, but do you, do you think that was a busted play? Do you think that was an accident? To be honest, I think it's heat of the moment. We're we're down in the game currently, and shot clock's low. I feel like on the inbound play, typically you should give that give and go back to Levine in order for him to get off that last shot or pass it out to the corner due to the fact that DeRozan's triple-teamed mid-range. Although DeRozan's been on a tear throughout the first seven games of the season, I feel like there were definitely better looks and better shots, and there were there still was enough time on the clock to do something else there. So yeah, they definitely botched that. It was uh, just an interesting play, all in all. But I, I can't, it, I, like Stacy said it best. There, that was not the exact reason why we lost that game. We were lucky to even come close back into that game, in which we've done over and over again now. But the what? The Bulls. Oh, sorry. Um, the the Bulls. Um. The Bulls' injuries are looking okay. Uh, Kobe White should be coming back somewhat decently soon, but at the same time, we're looking at trading him. 
Uh, we have P. Will, who's out for the season, so we're going to have to work around that. Um, we are going to be, I think, a little bit exposed um, during this season uh, from the 4-5 or five perspective. Uh, the Bulls have to settle in and really try and play bigger than they are, especially with their small ball lineup. Uh, if you, have you seen the, the small ball lineup play? Uh, yes, I have. And actually, in regards to that, tonight will be an interesting test. Sure, Philadelphia is right. missing a lot of their defensive pieces, but that's a lot of guards and small forwards. We're going to be looking at Joel Embiid, the big man who is absolutely dominant on both sides of the ball and can space the floor. So it's going to be a real test for the fours and fives of Chicago tonight. And if things don't pan out, I feel like we really need to start. The Chicago Bulls really need to look at options in regards to moving on from White for a 4-5. So right after the Bulls lost to the Knicks by that one point, there was starting to have the doubters. We were starting to have the naysayers being like, oh, the Bulls aren't really that good. Their Bulls aren't going to actually be this really good. I mean, the Bulls started out 4-0 for the first time since 96. So, I mean, yeah, that's a little bit absurd. Of course, the 96 Bulls are one of the best of the best. Um, but uh, after that, we had our next game then against the Jazz, and that put the league on notice. Absolutely. We looked at that game. Uh, DeRozan dropped 32, and then Levine, as far as I'm aware, 36? 26. 26, okay, my bad. Um, we pulled out in a real, a real test as Utah was the only other undefeated team at that time, and it really just showed out, and we had the grit to stay in that game and pull through. That did the exact opposite that the Knicks lost it. The Knicks lost, even though it was such a good game, so close, and we were we should be basically almost 7-0 at this point. Or the Bulls should be 7-0 at this point. Uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting to think about that. Uh, the Jazz, who were undefeated at that time, just uh, it seems difficult that Vucevic could actually compete with the height and the strength and the, the length that Rudy Gobert offers. But we're going to have another chance to see it tonight, like Will said. Um. In that, in that Jazz game, it really started coming down to the wire here. And uh, I believe it was a five-point game. Um, and we had it set up that we were giving Levine the ball. And Levine ended up spinning out of it and passing it to Vucevic for hitting the clutch three, which pretty much sent it out and gave us the win for the Jazz here. And you know what? Here, I have that audio. Let's take, take a listen. Five-point game again. Here's Levine. Spinning to Vuce. Big three. Saracha hot money, baby. That was a huge win for us to beat the Jazz and put the league on notice. And uh, since that point, would you like to move on to the uh, next game on Monday versus uh, the Boston Celtics? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, we played the Boston Celtics on Monday at uh, the Garden, and Levine was really looking great throughout that injury. DeRozan goes off for 37 points. The Bulls went on a 39-9 run like uh, we had both mentioned and came back to win this game by 14 and it was an impressive, grimy win, and we really showed out in the fourth quarter being able to clamp up on their two big scores, being Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, Marcus Smart was throwing a fit there. Um, he said something along the lines of that Tatum and Brown cannot pass the ball. <laughs> and he called them out directly by name. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, eventually, if there's a point that you really have to say something to your teammates, I mean, obviously, it's different than saying them out by name and just... But, I mean... They got outscored 39 to four, uh, 39 to 11 in the fourth quarter. 11 points. 
39 the, the Bulls scored. They just outplayed them. The Bulls just played so much better. DeRozan scored 37 that game, shooting 15 for 20. Io DeSumo. Kid's a gamer. Yeah, absolutely. Io had an amazing alley-oop. He also dropped 14 points, four boards, and two assists while shooting perfect from the field and draining two threes from downtown. Some really good notes about that Bulls game is that they shot 57% on that game and 42% from the three. And it's just another good example that the Bulls can really settle in and win the games when they have to. And it's really, again, putting the league on notice, taking down the Jazz at home and then beating the Celtics on the road with a huge, huge comeback. It's really putting the league on notice that what are the Chicago Bulls? And what I really loved about this game, with Levine dropping that 37 points, 13 of those points came in the fourth quarter alone, really picking apart Boston's defense and just showing how the camaraderie kind of broke apart for them, and we just got strengthened by that force. So tonight now, we do have Philly, and uh, we are plus two tonight on the road. Uh, Do you think we can win this one? Absolutely. Like we had both mentioned uh, previously, um, they've got guys out defensively role players, guys like Danny Green, Ben Simmons, obviously due to the drama that he uh, provides. What a mess. Absolutely ridiculous. But I feel like the odds are in the uh, Bulls' favor for a good reason. We're 6-1 and one for the first time since 2011 with that amazing squad, and I really just feel like this team is set to do something special. 2011, that's a, that's a very good classic team. That was fun to watch. It's the, that's the Bulls I grew up watching. The 96 Bulls was the Bulls I heard, grew up hearing about. Um, but tonight is going to be a very exciting game. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Um, I think if we can beat the Jazz, I really think that we can at least compete against the 76ers. We do have back-to-back games. It's going to be really nice for us tonight without having Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is uh, definitely an X factor of how good Philadelphia really, really is because Besides Joel Embiid, there's not really that much in his way. Joel Embiid is the superstar of that team, and everybody else on the team are kind of just role players doing their job. No, absolutely. I I 100% agree with you there. And, like, looking at that, um, I really feel like the Bulls have an opportunity tonight and then when they come back at home against Philadelphia to just pick apart, take two wins on what was initially going to be a tough East Coast trip, we can make out with a very – I believe probably coming the Chicago Bulls can come out winning three of these four games prior to moving on to Dallas in the West Coast trip. Yeah, we're going to get into that West Coast trip when we come back here. But to stay on topic at this current moment, I wanted to say that uh, Vucevic is going to need some help tonight against Embiid. He can't do it all alone. Vucevic is kind of that soft big. He really isn't that defensive horse. And the Bulls' defense looks fantastic itself. The Bulls have plenty of people that can play great defense, but Vucevic himself cannot guard Embiid. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to that pretty soon here, but we're going to get ourselves into commercial break here. So uh, th- stay tuned, and thank you for listening. This is your home for sports. Long-time fans. Sports is like life. SportstownChicago.com. 
What's up, Chicago? If you're ever, and I mean ever, out looking for good urban food 24-7, come down to White Palace Grill located 1159 South Canal Street in Chicago. White Palace Grill is open 365 days a year since 1939. I personally love the steak and egg dinner, but whether you like burgers for breakfast, steak for lunch, or French toast for dinner, White Palace is the place for you. The diner is a 24-hour urban oasis. Come now. Come later. Hey, come now in later. We never close at White Palace Grill located 1159 South Canal Street in Chicago. Visit us at whitepalace.com or order with Uber Eats or Grubhub anytime, any day. Daddy, when you look at me, I could see your wheels turning. About what am I going to be when I grow up? A major league baseman? Maybe a point guard for a national champion. The odds of a child becoming a professional athlete are 1 in 16,000. Far-fetched? Maybe. But did you know the odds of a child being diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166? That's right, 1 in 166. To learn the signs of autism, go to AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Go to Lux Barbershop for the best barbers and stylists in Plainfield, Illinois. I go there when I have an important event, date, or I just want to look good. The straight razor shave will have you looking fresh and smooth. Lux Barbershop is open seven days a week. Go to Lux Barbershop for the finest barbers, stylists, braiders, and massage therapists in the southern suburbs. Check out all their daily deals on Facebook, Instagram, and LuxBarbershop.com. Hi, this is Joe Perry. And Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. Someone that jaded you. A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. The Chicago Dogs are back on SportsTownChicago.com. Tune into the season opener against the Sioux City Explorers Friday, May 28th at Impact Field in Rosemont. First pitch at 7.05 p.m. Hear all the action right here on SportsTownChicago.com. Playing extremely well. Top five in almost every category. Did a great job defensively at him. Get the win. This team for real, Chicago. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. If you don't know, you better ask somebody indeed. And I'm here to tell you also that the Bulls are definitely for real. We have looked fantastic over this stretch here. And uh, getting into it, though, we got a couple Bulls topics we just like to talk about. And, uh, Will, you got something you want to talk about first? Yeah, absolutely. So with DeMar DeRozan, uh, both of us, obviously, as uh, basketball fans, avid basketball fans, know that his career, he's not been known to be a three-point shooter. And this year, he's really incorporated the deep two, and really the three-point shot into his game. Do you feel like this is something that could last, and are you surprised with the fact that it is going on? Um, I mean, he's he's an athlete. He's a basketball player. He's a scorer. Uh, I would definitely say that he can keep up with it and trying to improve it. Uh, I don't know how spectacular it can really get because it is something his whole career that he has somewhat struggled with. Um, I do like to see it, though. And I love what I've seen from DeMar DeRozan so far. There was people who have, well, actually, the entire league slept on him. We, we didn't get him for that much. We're not really sacrificing a lot for him. It was it was a really big move for us. It's looking like a really, really big payout for us. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls really came through this uh, summer with uh, changing up the uh, front office in the last couple of years. Getting rid of Gar Pax really helped out that team and really seems to have helped out in regards to uh, coaching, front office, everything. So, uh, yeah. And then I actually wanted to speak on uh, Alex Caruso. 
I think him at the guard spot really allows for um, the movement of uh, Kobe White. Do you do you feel like we're going to trade Kobe White to fill the hole at small forward or power forward this year? I, I definitely think so, just because of not even Mr. Caruso, actually. I think it's because of DeSumo. Okay. Um, I think there's no need to have four point guards who definitely deserve minutes. I mean, when you think about it, you, you already have Lonzo, who's going to be getting his minutes. Caruso is going to get his minutes. Io is going to get minutes. And then there's Kobe White, who's also going to get minutes. If you put all of them on the same pedestal, especially Caruso, DeSumo, and uh, Kobe White, one of them has to go. Now, who's the most expensive? Who can we get rid of that has the most value? And that's Kobe White. And maybe he has the best value for us too, but I doubt that. I think we can get something really good for him. And a couple of options we were looking at, I know uh, I've heard um, Marvin Bagley. Um, well, I think you heard about somebody too, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So I was hearing about Marvin Bagley. And outside of that, um, the Bulls have been talking to uh, other teams. And, um, Thadjik Johnson. Oh, yeah, Thadjik Johnson. Um, absolutely. That's someone who I haven't necessarily heard rumors about, but that's someone who I'd love to have in that spot for the 4-5 just due to the fact that the last two years with Chicago, he was so great. There's a reason why he's got the nickname, Thadjik Johnson, because he just he, he just really put out for the team. He always was coming through with almost triple doubles. There was that weird stat that uh, always came up when watching the Chicago Bulls games that like he'd always... like. There's like a per 36 where it's like him, LeBron, and Magic Johnson in regards to uh, points, rebounds, and assists per 36 minutes. And that just shows you when he is on the floor, how impactful he can be. And with the Bulls in win-now mode, I feel like that team is going to make a move this season, uh, moving on from Kobe White, to make a replacement for the 4-5 with Patrick Williams being out up until the potential playoffs that the Bulls could be in. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here to say that I think Kobe White is not the best player because he's, well, I, I'm not here to say he's horrible because he's not. He's he's not a bad player. It's just that I think he's expendable when, when you look at everything else we have. Would you say, could we get rid of Caruso or could we get rid of uh, DeSumo instead if you're that hard of a Kobe White fan? I mean, potentially, yes, but no, that's not really, it's not ideal for the, the Bulls itself. Uh, the Bulls are going to be looking forward to uh, a defensive-minded squad, and which is what we, we did, getting those guys. All, the, all, of, our, all of our new uh, pieces that we got are, are big defensive guys. To go off of that, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to suggest um, that Kobe White is the weakest link in regards to that guard rotation. I just feel like what you had mentioned in regards to him being expendable, his current age, contract, and what he will be getting soon, I feel like, and just his upside, quite honestly, yeah. he works best somewhere else. And for us, Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, and Io being able to handle both sides of the ball kind of has a set for the one and two position, at least for this season, in my opinion. Now, I know we're six and one, and we're talking about a hole that we need to fill. It seems interesting, even though you've played seven games, you've lost one, and we're talking about holes. But the Bulls do have a hole in that four or five. They're going to live around it for now, and eventually it will be exposed. Absolutely. I'm not sure if it's going to be like a, oh, wow, the Bulls need a center, or it's going to be, oh, I think we might need another big guy. There, there really is a difference between that statement right there. 
I feel like personally it's going to be similar to what the Brooklyn Nets went through last year during the whole saga of really getting guys comfortable with each other in regards to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. There's one basketball for those three guys. I know it's a completely different situation, but it's just a matter of the fact that they had to work through growing pains during last season and then in uh, the 2020-2021 playoffs. And I feel like the Bulls, if they don't make a move here, they definitely will have that hole shown. It may not be glaring, though, like it was in Brooklyn last year. Um, so it, I don't, and most of you probably have not checked out the NBA standings, especially since it's so early in the year, but, uh, weirdly enough, some pretty good teams are not performing that well. Uh, Atlanta is, uh, under 500, uh, Milwaukee's under 500. Um, it, it's going to be weird to see how it really shapes up. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is, um, Kyrie Irving and the Nets because, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole situation. It doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, the owner said, uh, when do you think Kyrie Irving will be back? And the owner replied, I don't know. And that's all he has. That's all everyone he has. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And that makes the Nets even more depleted than they already are with their very brutal bench. How do you think the Nets will compete even with like the Bulls? Do you think they'll be around that kind of thing? Or do you think they're going to be still a top-notch team with Atlanta or Milwaukee? So, believe it or not, with me here, I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls as a team are going to be top of the conference, as in top three. I just feel like some other teams have gotten weaker. And I'm just going to toss out some of the teams that I feel like are top of the conference. Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, teams that will fall off and become middle of the pack are teams like that Atlanta team that you mentioned. And then Brooklyn will hang around the four seed, I feel like, be where the Pacers-type teams were last year. Not saying they are the Indiana Pacers, just with the drama that they're going through and just things not clicking, I feel like Brooklyn's going to be 500, like 10 games above 500 end of the year, 55-win team or so. Well, we're going to have to see and definitely monitor all that. The NBA is going to be pretty interesting this year. Uh, we'll be paying attention to a lot of it ourselves. Um, the Bulls will definitely be all over because it's been quite, quite the fun to watch. It's really interesting to actually see a defensive team that's like excited to play here. That was one thing he was uh, that Will was just mentioning about Thaddeus Young is that Thaddeus was out there playing with his heart out there. Uh, he he was really a hustler, and we we got a bunch of those guys now. The, well, the Bulls got a bunch of those guys now. It's going to be an interesting look for quite some time to come here. Um, where do you think the, uh, well, actually, no, I think you, you said Atlanta was going to be more like, uh, middle of the pack, right? Yes, sir. It, it's going to be an interesting look for them because they didn't really make many improvements. They didn't lose anybody either, but they were in the conference finals last year, just like that. It, it was, um, it, it's pretty weird how the East is shaping up. It's getting definitely a little bit tighter. It's never been in, in our life that the Eastern conference has been up to par with the West, but we're starting to somewhat see it a little bit, just a little bit. No, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And uh, two weeks into the season, I just didn't expect teams like the Bulls to be this good. And then teams like Atlanta, I didn't expect to be where they are. They kind of did tread water, though, in the offseason. I expected them to move on from a guy like uh, John Collins 
just due to the fact that that had been rumored for quite a long time, and the tandem of John Collins and Clint Capella together just does not really work, in my opinion, with the space and pace that uh, Danilo Gallinari and Trey Young-type players bring to your uh, squad. So I just feel like uh, we've got to definitely give it a little bit more time to shape up. But two weeks into the season, did you expect the Bulls to have the best record in the NBA? Not at all. Not, I mean, I was not. very excited to watch the Bulls, but... No, more than optimistic, but not expecting something like this off the rip. No, yeah. no. Um, definitely, I was very, very excited, though. And I could have never expected it to gone this well. Um, you got any dark horses for the NBA MVP this year? I wouldn't necessarily call it a dark horse, but I'm going to bring it back to 2011. We're going to have our new version of the 2011 Derrick Rose MVP season, and that's going to be John Morant and what he's doing this year at such a young age. I feel like he can, if he can bring Memphis to a top five seed with the supporting cast of young guys, glue guys, and a great coach, I feel like he can definitely make a case for it out there in the Western Conference. Yeah, it definitely needs a little bit of help with in the win column from his other teammates uh, in order to get there. Uh, I think he's got the talent to do that. I actually myself have um, a wager on uh, John Morant to be the MVP, and it pays out very, very nicely. <laughs> um, Fingers crossed, then. Fingers <laughs> so, crossed. You know, uh, I'm, I'm also a man thinking just like you, but... Uh, it's 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 uh the, the NBA usually has uh, the MVP case pretty wide open for uh, a little while and then you'll start to really have some debates about it, uh, but you know it was just um our first show type of thing like what wh- what's our guess here maybe we can get a little something spicy into the future you know with some some guesses, um, but like we said uh, we got the Bulls uh playing tonight against the 76ers big game tonight uh and we'll we will be playing the 76ers again uh later this week on friday and that won't be at home but tonight is in philadelphia and we have a big west coast trip coming up right after that uh we got the i know uh the clippers the lakers uh trailblazers nuggets how how do you think we'll compete on that trip all right off the rip i'd just like to say in regards to uh, the Portland Trailblazers, that's just not the same team that it once was. You're looking at a guy like Damian Lillard have a historically bad start to the season. I get it's two weeks and it's eight or so games or whatever, but he just really has not been performing well. And outside of that, coaching change, the coaching changes there don't look like they're panning out. And outside of that on the West Coast trip, I feel like it'll definitely be a battle between the Chicago Bulls and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers just due to the fact that the fire of the firepower and the uh, big men that Los Angeles does have. Outside of that, the Clippers have been off to a slow start with Kawhi Leonard being out. So I feel like we can come out of this 500 or a little bit above that, and I wouldn't be mad at it if the Bulls were able to do that. Yeah, definitely sounds like something we're going to keep looking into. Uh, but thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you soon on our next segment. Um, what are we talking about here? Where we, we oh, we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll we'll come back and get into the NFL and the Bears soon. Thank you. This is your home for sports. This is the best fans in the world. No, no better team. SportstownChicago.com. Are you ready for this? Valley View Automotive has all of the hottest SUVs you've been looking for. Enjoy a test drive and the opportunity to drive one of these powerful vehicles off the lot for half the price. Yes, half the price. Now's the time to get yourself to Valley View by car, on foot, 
or even by air to take advantage of this outrageous sale. You better get here quickly, because this promotion is only going on for 24 hours, and the automobiles are leaving the lot faster than you can say four-wheel drive. Valley View Automotive, a dealership you can depend on. Hey, I'm Andy Griggs, asking you to help prevent domestic violence. Domestic violence isn't a woman's issue. It hurts all of us. Women are injured and killed every day by their husbands and boyfriends. So it's time for men to take action right now to teach boys that violence against women is wrong, to help prevent abuse before it starts. Call the Family Violence Prevention Fund at 1-800-END-ABUSE to get a free take action kit containing tips on what to say to boys. That's 1-800-END-ABUSE. Teach early. Indeed is the number one job search user with over 250 million monthly users. Indeed's priority is to help everyone in the job searching process to find a job by uploading 10 new job opportunities every 10 seconds worldwide. With Indeed, you have free access to job searches, resume uploads, and company researches. There are over 10,000 employees at Indeed that pursue to help people find the job they are looking for. They connect with millions of people to new opportunities. Go to Indeed.com and sign up for free and create a resume and let Indeed do the rest to help you on your job search. Hey, I'm Jesus Mauricio. Be sure to tune in every Friday to listen to Zeus Off the Bat, a baseball talk show from 1 to 2 p.m. where I'll be discussing and updating you on all things about baseball. News, predictions, reactions, and more about the Cubs, Sox, and everything across the league. Happens every Friday at 1 p.m. right here on SportstownChicago.com. Don't forget to follow and share our Twitter and Instagram with your friends at Zeus Off the Bat. Zeus Off the Bat. I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but it just wouldn't be our style. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. SportsTownChicago.com. Lombard. Part of the Beyond Air Network and available on the TuneIn app. Hell yeah. Broadcast, Broadcast home for your Windy City Bulls and the Chicago Dogs. We're in a league of our own. Now, here's your SportsTownChicago.com. At 4 p.m., I'm your host, Will Shoemaker, with your SportsTownChicago.com update. Powered by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to beyondair.com. With the sports update, in the World Series, the Atlanta Braves took down the Houston Astros last night, dominating 7-0. Solaire finished with three home runs, six RBIs, and absolute history, winning World Series MVP. Max Fried in the bullpen kept runners out of scoring position and kept them off the board the entire game. Could be the end of the era for the Astros as Carlos Correa might be on his way out. The Chicago Bears have lost three straight games. On a positive note, though, Justin Fields did run the ball extremely well, which is something that we have all been looking forward to. The Bears look to bounce back on Monday against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And now on to the Chicago Bulls. See red. Levine looked great through his hand injury. The Bulls are 6-1 with the best record in the NBA. And on to the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks look to win their second game in a row. They got their first win of the year. Took long enough. The Hawks have a tough matchup, though, tonight as they play the 8-0 undefeated Carolina Hurricanes. And also in sports, a tragic news that took the life of Las Vegas pedestrian Henry Ruggs III has been jailed on a fatal DUI charge. Ruggs was driving 156 miles per hour before the fatal crash. In response, the Las Vegas Raiders have released Ruggs. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update. Brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to beonair.com.
that Justin Fields magic was the best that we saw pretty much for that game. There really wasn't a lot flowing for the Bears in that game. They really had a lot of mistakes. Um, And, of course, I mean, I know there was a lot of injuries, but Fields did okay. He had 175 yards passing with one touchdown that was throwing, 100-yard rushing with that one touchdown that we just listened to. So, in total, he had the 170 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and threw one pick, which isn't the worst, but... It's not enough to win the game, plain and simple. Did you watch that game on Sunday at all? I actually was not able to, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. The Bears are not a fun team to watch. There's a lot of other football to watch on Sunday or a lot of other things to watch on Sunday. There was even the World Series that was on Sunday. Um, so I don't blame you for not wanting to watch the monstrosity that is the Chicago Bears. I did get the uh, brush strokes, though, in regards to uh, what did go on. It's absolutely disappointing, but on a lighter note, the team performed far better without Matt Nagy at the helm this week, and I think that was very interesting. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm I'm interested. Do, do you think there's any way that we are just – what do we do with Nagy now? Because if you really, really, really think about it at, at, at a consistent basis, what does Matt Nagy now do? If he's not calling plays, what is he doing? I feel like he's just out there to get the tomatoes thrown at him, get the blame thrown <laughs> at him. He's really just a puppet for this uh, organization as they continue to tread water with uh, Ryan Pace and the current um, structured uh, um, front office. It's just a matter of time, quite honestly. we saw It's been a revolving door since Lovey Smith has left the uh, Bears. We've played over 140 games since then or so, and the Bears are – I saw the statistic, I believe, 10 to 20 games below 500 since Lovey Smith has left the team. We've gone through guys like Tressman, Fox, and now we're going through um, Nagy, and it's just been an absolute revolving door. And I don't really see an end to this until uh, GM and coach are out of there. I don't feel like the uh, team can flourish. I don't feel like young guys like uh, Fields can really feel comfortable until – there's a solidified system that's going to be with the team for the next five to seven years. You know, I know that it looks like Fields isn't the best, but I also don't think he's that terrible. I really think that he um, he kind of just can't read defenses right now, and it's really hard to when he has this kind of an offense setting up for him. If you've watched some of these plays develop, he has almost zero time to actually throw up a ball. By the time the wide receiver is making his turn of his route, Fields is already getting lit up. I mean, destroyed. He's going to get hurt at this point, but there's not much that we as a fan can do or the Bears can even really save for themselves at this point. It needs to be a whole restructure. The whole thing needs to be fixed. Definitely. I'm with you on that. Um, We don't, we will not be expecting David Montgomery to come back at least for this week. Uh, I'm pretty sure next week after uh, that we play the Steelers this Monday, uh, we're going to be on bye. But I think at least for the Bears, uh, we're looking okay in the aspect. The Bears are looking okay in the aspect that Khalil Herbert is a good running back. We, we got him pretty late in that draft, and he's a pretty important piece to our team. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen him run that much, but uh, Khalil Herbert is definitely at least a, a key piece and um, something that we, we can build off of for some time to come here. No, absolutely. Uh, just uh, to go back on that, I'm not trying to uh, throw any shade on Justin Fields' name. 
It's just the system that he's in right now, I do not see him flourishing or being able to grow into the player he has the potential of being, if that makes sense. I feel like um, him and other guys that we do draft, just upside won't be able to, we won't be able to get out, the Chicago Bears won't be able to get like the absolute upside out of a player unless we really kind of change face and fix some to core things yeah absolutely um, backbone things yes. one thing I, I just wanted to say about i know we had some defensive injuries for that game against the 49ers but it's really unreal that we could let a guy like debo samuel and i know debo samuel has been playing very well this season but there's no way 71 yards right there's no fields had 175 on the game on the game one receiver on the 49ers had that many yards it's not a, blasphemy that's not gonna work ever um and the Bears, uh, even in the second half, they they hit that field goal from Santos to make it sixteen to nine, and um, just like that, in the third quarter, five minutes into it, uh, Jimmy G scored that touchdown, missed the PAT. We're up by one. They score again, and they got the two point conversion. So we're down by seven. Fields has that big, huge touchdown run that we we've all known now and heard, and then he misses the PAT. So we're down by one. Now we're working from behind. It's really critical that you can't miss that PAT. Even though it wasn't that bad of a, a, a thing, we ended up being down by eight. And that was with six minutes left. And, of course, our offense could not get it done to convert on that last five-minute drive there for us. And that's one thing that the Bears have never even had. We don't have a quarterback that can do something like that. We're never going to be able to win those last games. If we give up 30 points... We're going to lose. The Bears need to play better defense if they're going to win games. Plain and simple. This Monday, the Bears will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Bears, or well, the Steelers just won their game 15 to 10. So it was a really low-scoring game against the Browns, and I, I really think that the Bears need to play at that level if they have any chance in order to win that game against the Steelers. Are you familiar with what the line's looking like in regards to that game? Plus six and a half for the Bears right now. Okay. I Which I actually think is not terrible for for me as as, um, as a betting man. I'll probably buy up to the seven and a half just in case it hits to the seven. Uh, but I really do think the Bears could cover and um, at least keep it within a field goal or possibly even win that game. I think a big key piece for the Bears is that they have to shut down Najee Harris. Najee Harris is pretty much the main weapon we're going to have to worry about. The tight end situation is pretty messed up for the Steelers right now. Ebron is out. Fairmouth is there. But he's not that much of a weapon. The wide receivers, the wide receivers are weapons. But. Big, As they always have been in Pittsburgh. Right. But. Big Ben is Terrible. Terrible terrible he cannot even throw the ball down the field and I, I we had this debate at school here whether it big ben is better than cam newton and the fact that you could have that conversation you should not be able to have that conversation. the the Pitt, pittsburgh steelers starting quarterback to a guy sitting on his couch that's an interesting conversation but regardless the bears need to play well defensively they cannot give up 30 points to any team if they're going to win games this year the Bears really need to step it up. Um, speaking of which, is that we can't really get a lot of passing yards. What do you think Allen Robinson's going to do? Do you think he's going to leave immediately? Do you think, I mean, he wants more money first off, but now he can't even get the touches that he wants. He's being disrespected around league mates, you know? He's, I feel like, definitely on his way out. The proof is in the pudding. 
the team's kind of zoning him out of getting the touches that he deserves as a, a talented player that he is. And realistically, I don't see ownership coughing up the money that he's going to be worth in the offseason. So I feel like he is definitely on the way out, and I feel like the best move would be to try to attain something for him. But deadline's up, so can't do Yeah, the about deadline that. has passed. I know the Bulls actually – or the Bear, Bulls. The Bears stayed quiet and did not make any moves, which isn't that surprising. But, I mean, when you look at our record, you look at the teams we're facing, and we're not in a good shape. The, Bull, the Bears really have to step it up if they want to keep up anything in shape. Um, our injury news is, uh, can we get Khalil Mack back? If we get Khalil Mack back, things will start to head at least into the right direction. But at least for um, Bears production, we need to be healthy. Or the Bears need to be healthy. And David Montgomery, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, those are big names. And they, they need to be healthy if they want to win these games going forward. Do you think that do you, well I guess you don't know much about the Steelers and or the Bears but do you think the Bears would have any chance to beat Big Ben? Uh I to, I'm a casual football fan as of right now aspiring to know more and as of right now from what I'm looking at and how how I break down the Bears I just don't see this team as being one that can produce wins. I am familiar with Pittsburgh to a very slight extent. I'm aware that Big Ben's fallen off a cliff since the 2020 season when they had that really hot start, and then they played the Chiefs and fell off since since then. And injuries have really hurt this team, and I feel like the Bears, regardless, are they're, they're in a dumpster fire position, whether it be on the front office end or in regards to who's uh, managing and coaching on the field. So I really do not see the Bears pulling out in this game. I feel like with uh, the line, they can follow it pretty well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is interesting to think that um, the Bears are in a bit of a pickle that way. But you know what? Uh, when we get back to it, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the rest of the NFL and uh, how it shaped up last Sunday and what's going on moving forward. SportstownChicago.com Joe's Hot Dogs has been around since 1953, but I promise it's not old news. You don't have to like hot dogs to like Joe's on Plainfield Road in Joliet. Italian beef, hot dogs, shakes and sides. My family's had a relationship with Joe's Hot Dogs for three generations. Golden fries with a tad bit of salt and the perfect amount of crunch come in a bag as big as your hand. And that's just a small. For more on the menu, visit joeshotdogsjoliet.com. Bringing that classic Chicago flavor to the suburbs. That's Joe's Hot Dogs across from CVS on Plainfield Road in Joliet. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. 
Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and Windy City News Radio. The Illinois Center for Broadcasting is now the Illinois Media School. We've been an institution in the Chicagoland area now for 30 years. Because the broadcasting world is always changing, so are we. Not only are we teaching radio and television production, but now you can learn all aspects of the media industry, like web design. You can even specialize in TV or film, sports broadcasting, and even sales. No matter where you are in the Chicagoland area, we have a campus near you. The Illinois Media School. Be on TV, be on radio, be on air.com. That was money. Tell me that wasn't money. Yo, yo, yo. Check us out. We are the go-to guys. I'm your boy, Space. I'm your boy, MC. Check us out every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. We spitting all facts, all sports, all day. Yes, sir. Who else are you going to go to in the clutch? Lillard, long range three. And it's good! Keeping you up to date with all the latest sports news. We are the go-to guys. Where else are you going to get all your sports news from? You know. SportstownChicago.com. Welcome back to the Go Ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And uh, to our next segment here, we're going to be talking about the NFL. And the trade deadline had just passed on us, and one of the big trades was is that Von Miller had been moved, and he has been moved to the Rams. And is that surprising to you at all? Uh, absolutely. Like I said, casual fan here, but I recall him being there for the last like seven, eight years and him being a mainstay for that Super Bowl team. And he's going to a team that is already a powerhouse in the NFL, and getting a guy like Von Miller is more than scary. Now, I will say Von Miller has definitely taken a decline of how good he has been, and the contract-wise is pretty big for the Broncos, who are not really rolling in dough or even rolling in wins. So Von Miller is an expendable player to them, even though he's been there for a lot, won the World World Series, won the championship for them. And... um, it is definitely a big trade for the Rams to land a player like that. Um, and I personally think that it puts the Rams already more into a favored posi- position to be the favorite to win the championship this year. Uh, another big news in the NFL is that Derrick Henry has his foot injury and he had surgery and he is out for 6 to 10 weeks. That's a huge blow for the Titans. Um, yeah, back to that uh, really quickly though. Um, in regards to that Rams trade for uh, Von Miller... How do, how do you think that's going to roll out the NFC West? Do you think that uh, the Rams are going to be able to pull through over Arizona, or do you think Arizona and Kyler Murray are going to be able to hold out and win the uh, West? Uh, I think it'll be uh, the Rams pretty much holding that one out there. I think the Rams are um, probably the best team in the NFL at this point, honestly. I do. Before this trade, did you see the Rams pulling out as that division favorite, or do you think that trade I really did. I personally it? did. Okay. I, I, not, I, I think that the— Cardinals are very, very, very good. It's actually speaking of which we're going to get into. Of uh, we'll talk about the Derrick Henry uh, injury in a little bit here. Um, but the first game, the Thursday night game, was the Packers versus the Cardinals, and the Packers beat the Cardinals for their first game, uh, their first loss. So the Cardinals are no longer undefeated, and the Packers won that game without Devonte Adams, without Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb was their number one wide receiver. Is that shocking that the Packers could still pull off that kind of a game? Uh, quite honestly, no. I look at the uh, just counting stats. Kyler Murray didn't throw any uh, passing touchdowns, and there was only uh, one rushing touchdown 
for Arizona overall. So I feel like just Aaron Rodgers and who he is, he's such a solidified, just clutch quarterback. And outside of that, I mean, rushing and uh, receiving uh, leaders, small numbers, and then under 300 yards for both of these elite quarterbacks. So low-scoring game, two elite teams that are both 7-1, and one, but it didn't surprise me personally, just with who uh, Aaron Rodgers is. So this is the week of the backup as well. Crazy enough, uh, we had three backups win. We had Mike White of the New York Jets take down the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm going to get into that first off, but I'd like to say the other names of the players, of, of the yes, of the backup players first. Cooper Rush of the Dallas Cowboys took down Minnesota, which is an ugly, ugly loss for Minnesota. And then Trevor Simeon beats Tom Brady. Yes, Tom Brady lost to a backup yesterday or last week. But uh, first and foremost, out of those games, I would like to get into Mike White of the New York Jets. How in the world do the Bengals let something like that happen? They were easily, easily going to should have won that game. They are definitely more talented than that. And I myself was talking about them, how they were supposed to beat the Ravens last week, and they did. Well, they beat the Ravens, but you can't beat the Jets? Jets are a poverty franchise in regards <laughs> to the NFL. I have really no explanation. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be a namesake in the NFL for the next half decade to a decade. He overall, counting stats, performed well. His completion rate wasn't awful. Mike White, though threw for it yeah, a lot of it was yards 405 yeah. yards an absolute performance it was really really actually fun to watch um i have uh some things for football myself i have the survivor pool which i'm supposed to pick a team per week and you can never use them again and this specific week a ton of people lost by picking the Bengals. so i was one of the people who were going crazy that the jets were actually going to pull it off um but it is insane that Mike White ended up leading the league this week in passing yards, and he was coming from a backup situation. Uh, we're we're going to move on to a different game here, though, though. Uh, really, really upset that the Bengals did that, though. Uh, another game here is that Mac Jones was able to take down Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Uh, I really am kind of surprised by this game all in all, just because the Chargers, well, Herbert's better than what he played as. Herbert went 18 for 35 with 223 passing yards, two interceptions. Herbert is definitely better than that. And you know what's even funnier? Mac Jones didn't do any better than that, yet the score was 27 and 24. So a lot of points being scored, even though both quarterbacks did not play well. Um I don't you don't you don't know most about these young guys, but Mac Jones and Herbert. Um, oh, I'm aware. I know Mac Jones. I yeah. know the hype that's behind that in New England, quite honestly. Him and Bill Belichick going to run up the next quote-unquote Brady special or whatever. Well, he has been having uh, Jones throw it a little bit more, but it was really interesting to see the rookie take down Herbert in, in the Chargers. And poor thing for the Chargers, how could the Chargers let New England be home field advantage of their own, in their own home. It's really, really an embarrassment to that franchise that I know that they moved from San Diego and they're in LA now, but that doesn't mean that you can't have no fans. I mean, literally the stadium was filled with more new England fans than there were chargers fans in your own own home stadium. And that is never, never, never good. Um, another game or another thing actually I'd like to talk about is that, um, Calvin Ridley has stepped away 
from the NFL at this point. So the Falcons, uh, they just lost to um, Sam Darnold and the Panthers, and it's really a tough loss for them. Uh, for yes, for them, and Calvin Ridley is really, really, really good. Um, I I don't really know myself what's going on with why he's stepping away. Uh, uh personally, I'm just looking at uh, some of the main articles that are coming out right now. He's stepping away from football at this time to focus on his mental health. So to go to like a basketball sense, actually, guys like Demar Derozan, guys like Kevin Love have done this in the past, where they uh take time off, where they go zero dark 30 mode off of social media and they really just I don't know it's it's a surprise to see something with such a talented athlete but sometimes mental health just has to come first so well we have one thing of mental health and then we also have somebody who got a DUI so we have two guys who are now taking their time away from the NFL one is just taking his time away to focus on his mental health and the other one is going to jail that is Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs actually had a very promising future ahead of him. Was a second round pick, and it's just really shocking that it could come down to this point that he had a post on his Instagram or on his Twitter that his bio was a picture of his friend's gravestone. That I think the friend's gravestone was like eighteen or something like that, because Henry's only twenty two. But how could you have a post about your friend dying from a DUI? And then you yourself do the same thing. Like you live in that guilt. You post it on your social media. So we all know that was already something in the back of your mind. And I don't know how you feel, but he, he murdered someone. No, I think he should go to jail. Abs- it's absolutely disgusting, and I 100% agree with you in regards to that. Uh, it's really disappointing. Someone lost their life for absolutely no reason. And guys like Henry Ruggs in that position in particular, you're in the NFL, man. You make millions of dollars. There are people who will cater to you and chauffeur you around your city and any other city in the United States. It sh- it There's shocks no me, especially with. I'm not trying to sound uh, any different here, but like the fact that he has money, and that he's not using that money to just get an Uber. No. Like I mean, it's it's such a simple thing. It's literally pull out your phone, click on the app, click where you want to go, and click send. It's really that simple. And people don't have to die. No, yeah. And you actually, you're paying somebody. That's their job. That's Absolutely. what they do. Hey, for a guy like uh, Rugs, that's literally one snap. You're making one snap that pays for the Uber. You know what I mean? Realistically, $30 to him is absolutely nothing. It's it's really disappointing. Dude, I bet you he makes way more than $30 a snap. Oh, no, but just giving, <laughs> you know how they do that with like Kobe yeah, Bryant right. and guys like in the NBA yeah, where like they those, make this those much stupid a stats, and, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But just overall, uh, I'm really happy that the Raiders have uh, decided to release Rugs. That's kind of a given that that does happen. But I really hope that in regards to this, the family can find some closure and that Henry Ruggs III is jailed for what he has done, quite honestly. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe that he won't be. Um, I, I'm just going to keep that short and sw- sweet. I want to talk about a couple more things real quick. Um, Kirk Cousins cannot win a primetime game. I just want to put that out there no matter what. A primetime game, even against a backup quarterback that is Cooper Rush, it does not matter. He cannot win in primetime. It, it, it is that sad. Uh, Minnesota That's a bad contract for sure. Minnesota is in trouble. Uh, I think Zimmer's going to be fired. Mike Zimmer. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen there. Um, another, another team I'd like to just discuss real quick. Are the Chiefs going to make the playoffs? And you can ask us that on our Twitter at the go-ahead one. 
and answer that. I'm, I'll, I'll put out a poll, but are the Chiefs going to make the playoffs? And honestly, I don't have a real answer for you. I'm going to say yes because I believe in the Chiefs. But at the same time, they've looked so brutal, I really don't know. And they barely even escaped the Giants this week, which should be a lock upon lock that the Chiefs should absolutely beat up on the two and whatever Giants. Yeah, it was just a really slow start for uh, the Chiefs this year with the roster that they do hold and their overall performance in the last couple of years and their track record. I really do feel like they will end up a playoff team. Now, am I a betting man to where I'd put money on that? Absolutely. I'm not confident enough. But I feel like at the end of the day, uh, I feel like at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs are absolutely a playoff team. But they get in. They just get in, in my opinion. Wild card team for sure. It'll definitely be something interesting and something that we'll keep up on. Um, we, we have a lot more of NFL stuff to go through, but um, when we come back, we are going to start moving on to our MLB segments and uh, talking about maybe a little bit more World Series stuff, the minor leagues. We have a lot of things that we'd like to discuss to you about. Uh, we're very knowledgeable in the baseball world, but uh, for now, we're going to go into a commercial and uh, we will come back. Oh, you know what? Actually, this is our sports update. Um... At 3 o'clock, I'm AJ Freeze, your SportstownChicago.com update powered by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a, in a career in media, uh, go to BeOnAir.com. The Braves are World Series champions as they beat the Houston Astros soundly. Jorge Soler, the ex-Chicago Cub, brings home the World Series MVP trophy. He opened up the game with a three-run homer and... The Braves added a couple more runs with Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson as the Braves shut out the Astros 7 to nothing. The, Bra- the Bears played a competitive game against the 49ers this past Sunday, but it wasn't enough as the Bears have now lost three straight games. Justin Fields' growing pains will be something the Bears fans will have to endure for some time now. This Sunday, the Bears won't be playing because they're playing a Monday night primetime game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. David Montgomery will not be added from the IR this week as we'll be seeing another reps of Khalil Herbert. The Rams improved... Their team big time after landing Von Miller at the trade deadline and joined the likes of Aaron Donald and that star-studded defense. Aaron Rodgers is now on the COVID list and Blake Bortles will be signed for, for the team intern. Jordan Love will be the starter for the game though. The Bears make no moves at the deadline and remain quiet. The Bulls have started the season on fire and have, have a record of 6-1 and one, and their only loss thus far being the New York Knicks. Tonight, the Bulls are plus two on the spread versus the, the 76ers. With an injured mess of the 76ers right now, the Bulls must take advantage and take must take advantage of Tobias Harris, Danny Green, and Ben Simmons not playing tonight. Following the game tonight, the, Bull, the Bulls will be playing the 76ers again on Friday, but this time will be at the United Center. The Blackhawks are looking to win back-to-back games for the first time this season as they play the undefeated Carolina Hurricanes. The Blackhawks are very happy to have Patrick Kane back as their own... V- as they won their very first game with him, and he hit a hat trick to win the game. Carolina has won four straight games on the road, as the Blackhawks look to really win tonight. The game will be on tonight at 7.30. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update, brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in career media, go to BeOnAir.com. This is your home for sports. Red SportstownChicago.com.
Take that exit and get to the Southern Cafe, home of the Nasty Biscuit on Roselle Road in Roselle. Get over there and try the Chicken Fried Chicken Biscuit made with the Southern Cafe's house-made drop biscuit with buttermilk chicken fried chicken smothered in country gravy topped with shredded cheddar and crumbled hickory smoked bacon. I always say that when you go to the Southern Cafe, you come out with two meals with the heaping amounts of food they serve you in every meal. I love to go to a place with outdoor seating. The Southern Cafe has a great outdoor seating area to help social distance, and I get to enjoy my breakfast outdoors. Open 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. to give you plenty of time to grab an amazing breakfast or lunch. Now get your butt over to the Southern Cafe on Roselle Road. Hello? It's speed walking day. Dorothy, you're breaking up. Did I mention we'd be slowing down when we pass the court where those fine brothers play ball? I heard that. Reduce your risk of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Get active, eat right, and maybe even run into Mr. Right. Isn't sisterhood beautiful? For more information, go to everydaychoices.org. Brought to you by the American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, the American Heart Association, the Ad Council, and this station. Alert! Alert! Be gone, maxed out credit cards, overdue loans, suffocating interest rates, and relentless collection agencies. If your credit rating is making you and others around you cringe, there's only one thing to do, and that's to turn to the professionals at Creative Credit Solutions. Even if your credit is less than perfect, we'll help you get back on track. You can do it, and we can help. Call today or visit creativecreditsolutions.net for your free credit check report. Blow the whistle on SportstownChicago.com. Mondays and Fridays from 2 to 3 p.m. as we talk NFL. The game plan was really sound. In the quarterback league, it, it happened, it still is. Franchise-defining quarterbacks. College football. Will Jim Harbaugh make it through the season as Michigan's head coach? Some more Big Ten talk. And here's some things you wouldn't expect. I would have never expected that. Get all of that and more on Blow the Whistle on SportstownChicago.com. I'm Will Shoemaker. And I'm AJ Freeze. And we are with the Go Ahead. Today, we are going to be talking about the MLB uh, World Series and how the Atlanta Braves slammed the door on the Houston Astros, winning game six, seven to zero last night. AJ, overall thoughts on the series? Uh, it was a really fun series to watch. I always do love watching the Fall Classic. Um, but. Uh, it was two good teams, and it felt like it's always exciting when uh, America's team wins. You know, like the 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 who the public cheering for, and that was the Atlanta Braves. And it's really exciting to see when uh, America's team wins. You know, no, absolutely, I 100 percent agree. And just really to kind of close out on that series, um, we already talked about the World Series MVP in Jorge Soler. We talked about um, Dusty Baker. Do you see, um, with these four guys who are free agents, do you see any of them being uh, attained by the um, Atlanta Braves this offseason? Uh, do they bring anybody bring any back? Of them back? Just due to the fact that with Marcelo Zuna, that's such a... Yeah, I, that's, such a, yeah. that's such a weird situation. Exactly. You don't know whether you he's going to be playing or not. Acuna will be back. Um, you know what? I think, honestly... Um, You've got a slot for one of the guys. You know what I mean? At least I, I think it's going to be harder for them to bring back Eddie Rosario just okay. because I think everybody knows Eddie Rosario was really good. I think Soler is also going to be a little bit tougher because I think people know that he can hit 40 home runs yeah, year in, year out. Yeah, a little bit of an AAV with maybe two years. So. Right, no, so, yeah, so definitely. Uh, but um, So I would say who's most likely would be Peterson just because he's also the least likely to have a nice place to go somewhere else. You know what I mean by that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just it sounds like Solaire could find especially now with the CBA having its new 
uh, rules that, that are going to be implemented, uh, that there's going to be a new DH for among the National League. So there will be 30 DH spots instead of 15, which definitely opens a spot for Jorge absolutely. Soler specifically because the guy can't field. But as you saw, he can absolutely smash the ball. Yes, sir. Oh, my Lord. That I really believe that opens up so many opportunities, the CBA, uh, just for free agents in general, quite honestly. Looking at uh, the CBA, though, we've got a potential floor for salaries. We're also looking at a, uh, the DH being uh, brought all the way around to uh, all 30 teams, so American and National League. And outside of that, we also have... Um, I know they're gonna have some minor league stuff where they're gonna be. Uh, That's right. They're they're gonna be looking at seeing if they can improve the livelihood and uh, salary, like the minimum salary, correct, right? Yeah. Just because there's a lot of people complaining about how much they're actually making. No, and it's not actually a bad thing because they're seriously not making enough. There 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 are minor league players who are homeless right now, so they yeah. they really do need to take a stand and fix on that, and then that, that'll be a part of the CBA. And I feel like that should not. And I hope it's not one of the very big issues for the CBA in regards to, like, getting the CBA agreed upon. Just due to the fact that, realis- realistically, these teams can all, ca- like, hash out $250,000, all 30 major league clubs. And that, realistically, could subsidize for a whole season or two for minor league talent. Yeah, no, I mean, especially, um, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, the CBA is going to have a lot to work with. Um for you listeners out here, I, I want to put out the question that you can tweet at us at the go ahead one on Twitter. Do you think the MLB will start on time or, or play 162 games? Because it is actually a normal question. Do you think that they're going to make it on time? And it's a lot of things that are going to have to go in it. And usually when the CBA has this kind of timeline where they are making the new CBA rules, they usually have some sort of arguments or um, they can't they can't get along or actually make the new agreements and they delay the schedule of time or the, the season or whatnot. No, absolutely. I uh, definitely can see there being some hiccups in regards to the CBA this year. I'd love to get everybody's opinion. So like AJ mentioned, at the go-ahead one, tweet at us, let us know your opinions. I'm going to let you guys know what I think. I feel like this year, quite honestly, with COVID and with us finally being able to play a full season of baseball, the the optimist in me and the half-glass full energy wants me to say, hey, we are going to be playing 162. But with all the things that have to be hashed out uh, this offseason in the CBA agreement, it's definitely likely that there sh- there could and would be some sort of delay. In regards to that, though, I'd feel like it would be spring training, and we'd start on time just potentially with a uh, limited season, maybe 145, 150 games. Yeah, I, I've been seeing that um, they, the uh, the people who are believing that it's not going to go through. They're 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 only saying maybe like twenty games or so less, which of course, as a baseball fan, sucks. You want to go and watch and yeah, you, you want Absolutely. you want one hundred and sixty two every single year. That's just plain and simple. Um, what else? What else you got there though? Um, I'd really like to get into uh, the last decade of the World Series MVPs and who had the best or most memorable fall classic. And uh, looking through here, I'm going to just read off some names. We've got David Fries, Pablo Sandoval. David Ortiz, uh, Salvador Perez, and that rounds out 2011 through 2015, so the first half of the 2010s decade. Don't we forget are, about Mad Bum. We're, we're leaving out starting pitchers just so I can get 
statistic comps for on-base percentage averages, classic okay. hitting statistics. Uh, there are only two starting pitchers here, Mad Bum and Steven Strasburg. Of those two, who had a better performance? We'll get through the pitchers first. In your Mad opinion, Bum. Mad, Bum? Mad Bum? Absolutely. I think Mad Bum really introduced bringing in a starting pitcher in the 7th, 8th, or ninth inning and having them close out a game when he was doing that 2014, 15, 16 during that dynasty. Uh, no, I apologize, 2012, uh, 2012 through 2014 when that was really a dynasty. And um, outside of that, though, for those first five guys, um, who's got the best performance in your opinion and then who's got the most memorable? Mm, memorable? I actually would go with David Freeze. Like, I'm never going to forget his his performance. No, absolutely. And the call on that play as well makes it absolutely, like, just huge. In regards to uh, statistics, though, I'm going to have to go with David Ortiz, Big Poppy in 2013 after the uh, Boston Marathon had gone on, and it was Boston strong throughout all of uh, Massachusetts. And I really just think that what that team was able to do, he produced a 1.654 OPS, and he came out with a 500 batting average through 16 at-bats and slugged the ball like crazy with three home runs. I feel like that's just absolutely dominant. And um, now moving on to the later half, so a little bit more recent for any of our younger viewers, um, listeners, my apologies. We've got Ben Zobris, the Chicago kid. He posted up an on-base percentage of 419 with an average of 357 during the uh, Fall Classic of 2016 where the Chicago Cubs won their first World Series in quite a long time. Outside of that, we have George Springer in 2017. Bang, bang, those trash cans. Steven Pierce, 2018, with an average of 333, an on-base percentage of 500. Overall impressive. And then Seager in 2020, who had a 400 batting average and an on-base percentage around 600. I'm going to give you my opinion really quick, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, overall, the most memorable, even as a Chicago White Sox fan, a lot of my family are Cubs fans, as you can relate. And just personally, that performance by that team is just historic. That game seven is more than memorable. I'd say that's the most memorable of that half of the decade for World Series MVPs. And the most impressive stat line would be the Mickey Mouse season 2020 and Corey Seager's performance where he slugged 700. Um, yeah, um, I, I think it's a little bit interesting, but uh, my most memorable, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with... Uh, Zobrist, it was quite the performance for him. And, you know, Cub fans will never forget his big hit that really ended up winning them the World Series. Um, and on top of that, it actually was huge because they ended up winning by one, even though they were up by two. And uh, that, that hit, that RBI, ended up being very, very fruitful for the Cubs in that World Series. Um, but I would say, honestly, for the best performance, I know statistically-wise... You could definitely say some other guys, but um, at least for this era of the f bottom half closer to us, um, that that f I know it was again also cheating, but that George Springer World Series where he hit all those home runs, I got I gotta even tell you, even though it, I didn't know at the time it was cheating, but I still remember watching. And I'm like, holy crap, this is unreal! Oh, yeah, they unreal. can't you can't stop that, him. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, that was so. That was not even as memorable 
as the just dominant. the Zobras. It was it just that dominant. It was really that good. But you know, it was cheating, which is also part of the reason that we didn't cheer for the Astros this time around. And in regards to the 2020s decade, we started off quite well with Jorge Soler's performance in the 2021 uh, World Series. He uh, really got us off to a great start, and I feel like that will go down as one of the most memorable and dominant 10 years to come. And uh, before we get into our next segment, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a teaser in regards to what we've got coming next. We are going to be talking about the Chicago White Sox offseason moves, what needs to be done, who's going to be playing at second, and is Carlos Rodon on this roster? We do not know. Your home for sports. This is the best fans in the world. No, no better team. SportstownChicago.com. Are you ready for this? Valley View Automotive has all of the hottest SUVs you've been looking for. Enjoy a test drive and the opportunity to drive one of these powerful vehicles off the lot for half the price. Yes, half the price. Now's the time to get yourself to Valley View by car, on foot, or even by air to take advantage of this outrageous sale. You better get here quickly because this promotion is only going on for 24 hours and the automobiles are leaving the lot faster than you can say four wheel drive. Valley View Automotive, a dealership you can depend on. Hey, I'm Andy Griggs, asking you to help prevent domestic violence. Domestic violence isn't a woman's issue. It hurts all of us. Women are injured and killed every day by their husbands and boyfriends. So it's time for men to take action right now to teach boys that violence against women is wrong, to help prevent abuse before it starts. Call the Family Violence Prevention Fund at 1-800-END-ABUSE to get a free take action kit containing tips on what to say to boys. That's 1-800-END-ABUSE teach early. Indeed is the number one job search user with over 250 million monthly users. Indeed's priority is to help everyone in the job searching process to find a job by uploading 10 new job opportunities every 10 seconds worldwide. With Indeed, you have free access to job searches, resume uploads, and company researches. There are over 10,000 employees at Indeed that pursue to help people find the job they are looking for. They connect with millions of people to new opportunities. Go to Indeed.com and sign up for free and create a resume and let Indeed do the rest to help you on your job search. Hey, I'm Jesus Mauricio. Be sure to tune in every Friday to listen to Zeus Off the Bat, a baseball talk show from 1 to 2 p.m. where I'll be discussing and updating you on all things about baseball, news, predictions, reactions, and more about the Cubs, Sox, and everything across the league. Happens every Friday at 1 p.m. right here on SportstownChicago.com. Don't forget to follow and share our Twitter and Instagram with your friends at Zeus Off the Bat. Zeus Off the Bat. I'm Will Shoemaker with the go-ahead. And I'm AJ Freeze. Thank you for joining us. And now we are going to be getting into the free agency for the Chicago White Sox, starting off with who's on second to start the year. I'd love to hear your opinion, AJ. Well, um, it's going to be a little bit interesting. I know we have a lot of different options. Um, our worst case scenario, I will say, is that it is still Cesar. Um uh, That's a gold uh, glove second baseman right there. I'll, I'll just say, like, Cesar is not as bad as you could possibly think of. Like, like seriously, there are, are a lot of other bad things that could happen that we could be really upset that Cesar is back. I think there's a lot of other options that we have for second base and that we are going to take, but I'm just trying to prepare you that if the White Sox do have Carlos at second base, do not think it's the end of the world. He's not great, and obviously you saw it in the playoffs, but he's not the worst of the worst. He's definitely better than a Dandy Mendick type of player. 
Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree there. Uh, you and I have been uh, kind of talking about this the last couple of days. We've got uh, right field and second base are the two holes right now. And thinking about it, I'm more comfortable with the platoon squad in right field than I am what we've got going on at second base. So what I think needs to be done is addressing second base with either like a Marcus Simeon or trading Kimbrell for that second baseman. And outside of that, right field, swing big, or stick with the platoon group. I I think either way we look at it, no matter what happens, second base and right field are the priorities. Now, 100%. now the question is, is which one do we go hard in? And I just said, don't be surprised if it's just Cesar. And you just said, don't be surprised if it's just maybe the platoon system in right field. Yeah. And either way, I don't think it's, a terrible choice. But you know what? When when I do think about it, when we break it down, I actually do like better that we have the right field platoon system because Vaughn, LeRae, or anything else, even Cespedes should be yeah, coming Yoke, around it. Yoki. Yoki yes, should be coming around at any point. And I think it's gonna be twenty twenty two. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be interesting of uh, that maybe we go really hard for the second base, but at the same time, what are the big second basemen available? You know what I mean? The market's not really there, but I have been kind of digging. Teams like the Toronto Blue Jays could be looking to move on from a Kevin Biggio. And in the trade market, a Kimbrel could get you someone of that level. Outside of that, the New York Yankees are going after uh, the, the New York stops. The New York Yankees, I, I believe, are done on Glaber oh, because they absolutely. have they have they're going to first off get a new shortstop this free agency. I can't tell you which one it's going to be, but they're going to get a big one. Corey Seager. And <laughs> you know my answer is yeah, well you know what? Yeah, actually my answer is going to be Seager because Correa is going to go to Detroit. And I, we feel the same way on that, but there's going to be a lot of time to develop and see on those things. But um in regards to uh that quite honestly it's just a matter of the fact that Glaber Torres defensively is just so bad. He was atrocious in 2020. And then in 2021, when he came back from injury in the second half during that like Field of Dreams game stretch where the Yankees won like 10 or 15 games in a row, he was still like in and out of the lineup, not playing shortstop. And they moved him down to the bottom half of that lineup just due to the fact that he wasn't able pr- to produce. But with what he's done in his first five years of his career, there's so much upside that I feel like a new system, a new team, and just a new new vibe might be what is needed for a guy like Labor Torres. So I hope the White Sox potentially look to make the move with Kimbrell. And, you know, uh, that's also one thing, though, is uh, I, I have seen some news or, like, you know, some tweets that maybe we would go after Santander um, from the Orioles, and he's a switching outfielder, he's pretty decent, um, and that we would trade Kimbrel for him. But there's other pl- options that we could look at trading Kimbrel, even for second base, of course, for the Kevin Biggio, the Glaber type of trade. Um, but do you think it would be worth it to actually give up Kimbrel just to get Biggio? Uh, a guy like Biggio, for me personally, 2021 was not a good year for him in any way, shape, or form. They had brought in somebody to take that second base spot, being Marcus Simeon, and he got moved to a spot that he's not necessarily comfortable with, the hot corner. He was also injured throughout the season. Overall slash line just was not impressive, but what he did in the first year and a half of his career, I feel like there's enough upside to where giving up what we did for Kimbrell I feel like a Kevin Biggio would be reasonable. It wouldn't be a great move. I wouldn't be parading the streets, but I feel like it's something that I could be happy with. 
I do think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I actually kind of would be very excited about Glaber, but the thing about Glaber is is that there's a very fine line between the level of play that we've seen from the guy because when he plays, he plays when he has played. When he's played well, he hit 30 home runs plus in his earlier seasons with the Yankees, and then since then he's been abysmal. And even for the Blue Jays, Kevin Biggio played okay in his first year. And then after that, abysmal. Same thing. So it's it's hard that like Kevin Biggio and, and Glaber Torres sound like really, really, really big names. And they are. They have a lot of upside, but at the same time, their downside is not great. And to go off on that note, quite honestly, and this is just to play devil's advocate. Um, overall, you look at those two uh, players and then you look at Kimbrell. You look at the splits Kimbrell had in the uh, second half with the Chicago White Sox. Now I understand that there's the O... He cannot pitch in the eighth inning. He's pitched in the ninth his whole career. But realistically, I mean, Kimbrell isn't the same name that he was this time six months ago at the All-Star break, in my opinion. It really was disappointing that we made the big trade to get him. And we we lost a big piece in Nick Madrigal. And um, I, 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 we'll have our own segment about that Nick, uh, that trade at, at some point. We could honestly go on about it for a good half hour, 15 minutes about that the trade. That could be the segment. <laughs> right. No, like actually it really could be an entire segment. But at this point right now, I'm just going to say it was really disappointing because we saw, well, at least for us, when we were uh, Cubs Sox fans, you know, debating back and forth about our closers. And even then when we signed Hendricks, people were saying that, you know, we got the best closer. The, the White Sox got the best closer. And Kimbrell this year was the best closer in all of baseball for the first half of the season. And when you think about it, you're like, okay, well maybe he's back to a really good point right now. Or even then we're getting the hottest relief pitcher in baseball. We make that trade. He comes over here and immediately loses it. It's really hard to think about and, and swallow. It's a tough pill. Cause we gave up somebody who's good. Nick was supposed to be around for quite some time and it showed a lot of promise and we drafted him really, really high. No, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Nick Madrigal is somebody who for the next 5, 10 years on the north side can have a 300 batting average and really just produce if he can stay healthy. It's just a matter of the fact that um, with Kimbrell, I don't know, I feel like there was a little bit of mismanagement. Guys like Hendricks, even when he signed here before the whole thing come, had come up, Hendricks said, I'm open to pitching whenever. He didn't get, like, he used, obviously, his South Slida mentality and language, but he said he is open to pitching whenever wherever I do know that but I guess this is where uh, opinion comes in in my actual opinion like honestly even though we did make that trade and I know Hendricks would have gone into the eighth I know how good Kimbrell was out of the ninth I still think it was the right move just because you and I both agree Liam Hendricks is the better pitcher right absolutely so don't you want to put your closer out there for the ninth spot but that's the thing then so for Tony if he was going to keep him, if we are going to give Kimbrell a little bit of a chance to stick around, because you know what? There's a very good chance that we could keep him around. Give till him spring. a little bit of a leash, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we might just test him out. You know what? Who, who knows? What Maybe if he finds it, that same first half luck that we found. Because if we get that back and he's able to do that out of any inning that we put him in, that's huge. Huge. 100%. And that's, what we, that's why we made the trade. 100%. But obviously we haven't seen that. So I, at this point, I would just see, uh, test everything out before we officially make the trade. And especially, you know, if we if we get a, a good trade for Kimbrel, uh, Han isn't afraid to make the move. Han is very, very good GM. He has gotten us to the this point. The, the White Sox are here because of what the moves that he has done. 
Absolutely. I love that take. And to go off of that, we need Reinsdorf to stay off of Han's back in regards to decision-making just because I feel like he's pushed Han into a corner in some instances in the past in regards to free agent moves and in regards to managerial positions. Now. Yeah, I mean, our our best, most expensive for signing, I believe, is Jose, which is, or even Grandal, something like that. They're, we're, we're, we're about like $75 million is yep. the most expensive contract we've ever paid. Which I'm not calling to say like, oh my gosh, we need to start spending some money. But at the same time, well, it's not going to get any better than this. The window is not going to get any bigger than this. This is it right now. Spend the money now. And for Jerry, you're you're old. This is it. This is the last Bulls team. This is the last White Sox team that you're going to have that is going to be competitive. It does suck that you have to put money into both. But at the same time, they sucked both at the same time. They're both both good at the same time. So when you're here now, this is everything you built from both GM standpoint. You got a new GM with the Bulls. You got a new GM with the, well, you got your GM with the White Sox that built it all from scratch. And they're here. You have to put in the work now. So I I think, uh, interestingly enough, we're definitely not going to be sitting on our butts. The White Sox will be aggressive, but I don't know exactly the moves we're going to make. We A move will definitely be made. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is that for the starting rotation, uh, Keuchel is going to be gone out of that starting rotation. Yes, absolutely. I've got it written down here. Dal, A-S-S in caps, Keuchel. Mm-hmm. Is not performed very well for the Chicago White Sox in obviously 2021 in the second half. He was atrocious. Um, goodbye and good riddance to him. I have no issue with trading him and just eating that contract due to the fact that he's got that one last year with us in 2022. And outside of that, I'd love to ask you about um, your offseason grade for Tony Larusa, just on the season overall. You know what? I, I actually am going to give him. Uh, M- I was very happy with Tony. I'm going to give him an A minus just okay. because he won the division and won it without all with without half the team. Without his part, horses, yeah. Part part of the reason that I'm going to give him the minus is um just because altogether uh, we weren't one of the better teams going into the playoffs. We we got there and we you know the White Sox like to look at themselves as as one of the better teams, but um we just weren't fully prepared for this playoff run. I agree with you there. And uh, my overall grade, to be honest with you, is very similar. I give uh, Tony Larusa and staff a B plus. Okay. And this is I I misspoke to an extent about mismanagement in regards to the bullpen with uh, the eight nine guys, but overall it was just a matter of the fact that I feel like you could have situationally given them both opportunities there, to where maybe Kimbrel would have become more comfortable. And then, obviously, the Yerman Mercedes thing. That's just the media trying to reach out and hate on Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa did a great job for the Chicago White Sox this year, bringing them to a 93-69 and 69 record. The team finished first in the division for the first time since 2008. And it's the first time in White Sox history that they have gone back-to-back playoff berths. Now, I, I do want to get into mention uh, Yerman Mercedes just because uh, that really was a whole situation, and I wanted to say... I don't have all the stats in front of me, but if you were really watching your mean Mercedes after that first month stretch where he was crazy, he did not have it. He was not good enough. Yeah, he slashed, I believe, with a like 138 to 152 batting average somewhere in that range. Ridiculous. I mean, he just was not playing a major league talent, and that's just plain and simple. He did not have it. Um, 
eventually we're going to get back into this and to this whole point of everything in the White Sox. And you know what? We're probably going to add a lot more time for ourselves to talk about the White Sox and more baseball. But uh, thank you for joining us on The Go-Ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And thank you for joining us on The Go-Ahead. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Adios. Your home for sports. This is the best fans in the world. No, no better team. SportstownChicago.com. Are you ready for this? Valley View Automotive has all of the hottest SUVs you've been looking for. Enjoy a test drive and the opportunity to drive one of these powerful vehicles off the lot for half the price. Yes, half the price. Now's the time to get yourself to Valley View by car, on foot, or even by air to take advantage of this outrageous sale. You better get here quickly, because this promotion is only going on for 24 hours, and the automobiles are leaving the lot faster than you can say four-wheel drive. Valley View Automotive, a dealership you can depend on. Hey, I'm Andy Griggs, asking you to help prevent domestic violence. Domestic violence isn't a woman's issue. It hurts all of us. Women are injured and killed every day by their husbands and boyfriends. So it's time for men to take action right now to teach boys that violence against women is wrong, to help prevent abuse before it starts. Call the Family Violence Prevention Fund at 1-800-END-ABUSE to get a free take action kit containing tips on what to say to boys. That's 1-800-END-ABUSE teach early. Indeed is the number one job search user with over 250 million monthly users. Indeed's priority is to help everyone in the job searching process to find a job by uploading 10 new job opportunities every 10 seconds worldwide. With Indeed, you have free access to job searches, resume uploads, and company researches. There are over 10,000 employees at Indeed that pursue to help people find the job they are looking for. They connect with millions of people to new opportunities. Go to Indeed.com and sign up for free and create a resume and let Indeed do the rest to help you on your job search. Hey, I'm Jesus Mauricio. Be sure to tune in every Friday to listen to Zeus Off the Bat, a baseball talk show from 1 to 2 p.m. where I'll be discussing and updating you on all things about baseball. News, predictions, reactions, and more about the Cubs, Sox, and everything across the league. Happens every Friday at 1 p.m. right here on SportstownChicago.com. Don't forget to follow and share our Twitter and Instagram with your friends at Zeus Off the Bat. Zeus Off the Bat!